Hey, 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 you're now tuned in to Underdog Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Jones Jr., the underdog with a heroic heart. I have conversations with successful underdogs, and today I have another successful underdog. Might be my cousin, don't know, Miss Lily Mae Jones, business consultant, media correspondent, public educator, whatever it is out there, I'm pretty sure she got her hands on it or she know about it or she working with somebody that's doing it. How are you doing this evening? I am doing well. How are you? I am tired. I ain't even going to lie to you. I ain't going to hold you. I'm tired. It's been a long week. I don't know what my students been on. (laughs) I'm with you all the way, baby. Trust me. I'm with you. Yeah. I don't know know what this week and the kids, like, I don't know if it was a full moon. They know something. I don't know, but they all have been just off the chain. And I'm like, okay. And then it's been like the busiest week. I'm busy. As soon as I get off work every day, and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, go ahead. Oh, okay. So let's get into our conversation. I never like really have a title. I always go through the episode and I pick something that really, you know, sparks my attention. But I'm going to go into, you do all these things right now. But I know it was at a point. You wasn't doing all these things. Life wasn't looking good like it was. You was, you know, life was punching you in the face. What was going on? What were you doing? How old were you? Where was you at? What was going on? So, okay. You know, you know, a lot of people love to say, oh, yeah, you know, I came from the struggle. You know, people really like to say that. I can't say that. Um... I can honestly say life was always kind of easy. And the reason I say it, well, easy relative to accomplishing things and being able to do things because I grew up in a very, very um, comfortable home, if that makes sense. So, you know, a lot of the struggles that you hear a lot of people talk about, my brother and I didn't have those. Um, Mm. Now, I will say that one of the major um, battles that I've have fought all my life is that obesity battle. Even though I've had a significant weight loss of about 200 pounds over the past 13 years, you know, obesity is something that you always battle with because you're forever trying to maintain. So that would probably be that, that never end in war. You win some of the battles, but you never win that war. Now, mm-hmm. Um, as we talk about, you know, the different things that I do, I grew up in a household where I watched my parents do a lot. So my mother was a homemaker, you know, for the majority of my brother and I live because they were old. 56 when she had me, my dad was 56. My daddy retired when I was in the first grade. So, <laughs> yeah. So, oh, trust me. I remember that social security check coming on the third of the month. I got one. My mama got one. My brother and my, you know. So, I remember. <laughs> but um, it was so interesting because even though my father was retired, guess what? He kept working. So, you know, I grew up around um, livestock and things of that nature because, 
you know, growing up in, um, shout out to my hometown, Danville, Virginia, I thank God that I was born and raised in the last capital of the Confederacy because it taught me how to fight with my words, how to fight with my perseverance and how to fight with my intellect and not walking around beating up everybody like I did for a little while. I ain't going to even front. Like, I don't. <laughs> but, you know, as an adult, I can't go around smacking the hell out of people. Um, yes. But, you know, I, I'm grateful because, you know, growing up in an area like that, it taught me so much. You know, you always hear people say, oh, those Southerners, they slow and this and that. But I've noticed this day and time, more Northern city slickers get messed over than us Southerners. Why? Because we're taught to watch. We're taught to be vigilant. We're taught that they are going to get you. So it's a little bit different. So honestly, you know, Eric, it's been crazy because when I really sit back and think about my life, I'm so utterly grateful that I really have not had the struggle. And any struggles that I had were primarily self-inflicted. Mm. Okay. So one thing, you, you, you're not just going to um, just talk about northers because um, I'm from up north Indiana. You know, I'm up north. is almost uh, a good... Nah, I'm thinking about northeastern region. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. But... But I definitely, um, not to overlook the whole thing, but to, uh, not, uh, I understand that from being from up north, like people from, like I live in Indianapolis, so that's neutral, like that's in the middle. And then as you go down in Indiana, like people act different. So I definitely understand that. So you said you didn't, re you didn't have the struggle as like most of our culture claims they had or. Some people actually had it, but a lot of people want to, oh, I came from this. It don't, like, I don't understand bragging about the struggle. It, to me, now as an adult and learning, it just means our parents didn't have enough resources or they didn't care enough to have a better life. They, you know, because sometimes people get caught up in government assistance and living on Section 8, getting food stamps, and that's cool. But it's not really cool because there's more to life than that. So, I applaud you for being honest, and I and I love how you gave the backstory of like, hey, no, nah, I ain't about to sit on here and be like, oh, I came from uh, oodles and noodles, and you know none of that. So I appreciate that. So you didn't like have that struggle, but where did was it like as a as a kid? Did it happen as an adult or a young adult? Um, don't know how old you are, and I don't ask women how old they are. So if you tell oh, us, you I'm tell us. I'm a proud us, 36. I'm a proud oh. 36 with no children. I'm proud of it, baby. Okay, so you're a year older than me, so we're around the same <laughs> age. So, you know, what what age, what time frame of your life did you, like, oh, I want to, you know, do something different. I don't want to go, you know, to a nine to five. When, when did that spark into your, to your brain? Um, okay, so let's talk about that. I do have a, a, a eight. Well, actually, I have a seven thirty to six, um, mm -hmm. 10 hours a day, four days a week. I am a behavioral health practitioner for a major MCO. Um, okay. So I never had the thought that I wasn't going to work a job and still have businesses because I use common sense and not virtual reality that a lot of us are so eloquently disguised by. You know what I'm saying? Um, I actually started this entrepreneurial thing because I just had to help 
people that were similar to me. And by that, I mean, I told you how old my parents were when they had me. So when I went to college, my parents didn't know anything about applying to college, financial aid, um, college registration. They ain't know nothing about all of that. All they knew was work. You feel me? So I had to teach myself all of that stuff. Consequently, when I got you know, to uh, the university in an upperclassman, I was like, well, shoot, I haven't seen my academic advisor and this was semester before graduation. I better go talk to somebody to make sure I'm going to graduate. I went to talk to my academic advisor. Everything was on point. All I had to do was, I think, take a Spanish or something like that. And I was ready to graduate. And it was at that point I said, you know what? I'm going to start doing things with academic advisement and career readiness. That's how I started the consulting firm. At that time, I just flipped my last name backwards. So it was Sinaj Consulting. So then as I got older and I decided, okay, I'm going to um, law school. I said, okay, I'm going to apply to law school and this, 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 this. And so I applied and everything, got into a dual enrollment program with VCU and um, U of R. And it was just kind of like, okay, hmm, let's take these studies and apply it to what you're doing with the consultant firm and let's just keep going. So I, then I start adding on contracts and I start adding on like the interpretation of policy. So through graduate school, I got an internship um, with the Department of Corrections and I worked on the governor's reentry program. So I'm like, well, shoot. Oh, I got this now. So now I'm taking the criminal justice, the biology, and I'm using the public administration and the law. So when I graduated from VCU, I went back home to my hometown for about two and a half, three years. I worked in two positions in my hometown and one really set me up for the rest of my life because I was called a comprehensive services director. And what that meant was I was responsible for developing a governmental entity that catered to at-risk youth and families. Now, what that looked like was it should have been a three-person office, the director, an assistant, and like a coordinator that kind of helped put everything together well like I told you before I grew up in the last capital of the confederacy number one at the time let me see this was 2011 2012 so I'm a 26 27 year old real black woman like real black woman really know where she come from long nails long weave loud but she's articulate and she has the paper to let you know that she's able to withstand whomever and whatever they put in her employ. So with that being stated, I worked in that position. And the interesting thing about that position was that I was responsible for allocating funds. And I was responsible for allocating about $5 million at any given time. Okay. Now, you know, that's unheard of. Somebody that's never been in a position to do something of that nature, and you have them in a position to allocate all of these funds. It's like, okay, hold up, player. 
but I knew what to do. I knew how to do it. And the interesting thing was that I had to develop the operations manual from the ground up. So Eric, by the time I finished doing that, and I had never done nothing like that before, I said, man, forget this. I need my own entity. <laughs> because if I can do this for the Commonwealth of Virginia, I can do this for other people. And lo and behold, what, 10 years later, I'm able to stand up and say, I operate my consulting firm full time. Mm. I wish I had the, uh, I, I can't wait till I get the whole, you know, uh, board so I could do like the clapping hands or <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that's dope. Like, I like how first you said you wanted to help people that looked like or that was living like or, you know, dealing with what you were dealing with. A lot of times we want to try to help other people because it looked good. It looks sexy to go help somebody else. But when you help people that that are like you, it's not that they look like you, it's that they're like you. And you're able to help them because you know exactly what they need. You know yeah. the questions they ask. It's like when they say have your target audience. Your target audience is who you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, this is the thing. You got your target audience and you have your ideal audience, right? And, you know, your ideal audience are the people that you want to see you, the people that you want to see what you're doing. But your target audience, those are the people that need it. Those are the people that align with what you're talking about and what you're doing. You feel what I'm saying? So for me, it's always been about purpose over popularity. I grew up very traditional. like. My mom and daddy did not play. You feel what I'm saying? They <laughs> did not play. My mama will tell you quick. I said what I mean, and I mean what I said. And you can <laughs> run away from it if you want to, but I'm going to tear your ass up. <laughs> and guess what? She told my ass up. Let me tell you this. And I don't even think I've even told this story on my own broadcast. I was in seventh grade. I remember it to the T. I was at OT Barnum Middle School in Miss Brumel's language art class. That's how you know my mama came in with my ass. <laughs> I was in, yeah, seventh grade. And so I had got to the point, you know how you want to be bad. Like everybody yeah. thinks you a goody two shoes because you smart and you in the gifted program and you doing this and you doing that and you tired of people calling you smart and you tired of people doing this and doing that. So you start turning up, honey. That principal called my mama. Now you remember I said my mama was a homemaker, so she mm -hmm. at home all day long. Man, all I know is, you know, normally they call you over the PA system. No, sir. Mm -hmm. There was a knock on the door and I was cutting up. And some little boy face, it was this, this dude named BJ. BJ was sitting beside me because he lived around the corner from us. So we was talking and I'm laughing and playing in class because I had already got my work done. So I just distracted everybody else. Honey, I looked up. Miss Brumel said, Lily Mae, um, can you come to the door? 
And my mama said, uh-uh, she ain't got to come to the door because I'm coming in. I said, oh, shit. Honey. She said, uh-uh, come here. She turned me around in front of that class. My mother said, let me tell y'all something. Y'all don't have to get y'all education and y'all can be some little do-nothing. But this one right here, her fat tail gonna get her education. Honey, when I tell you my mom cut my backside and Miss Brumel said, you can't do that, Miss Jones. She said, as long as she's mine, I'm gonna tell her tail up every time. Do you know that I never got in trouble to that degree in school ever again because my mother whooped my ass in front of my seventh grade class. <laughs> <laughs> and you know Listen. my my friends remember that too. They oh remember. yeah, oh oh yeah. You know, you know, friends remember that. My mom was was strict, and um, but she wasn't. She ain't never come up and whoop me in school. But oh, no, um, it's, like... it's, it's definitely whoopings. I remember um, <laughs> second grade, third grade. I think a couple in middle school. I remember those. I remember the mass whoopings. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, the worst trouble I ever got in, um, I got all Fs um, on my report card. Oh. I got an all Fs and a D. We were supposed to write a book, um, and it counted for everything except for math. And I don't know what I, I was in sixth grade. I think it was the. It might have been the first semester. Um, you know, I, it's, I'm new to sixth grade. Me and my best friend, we cutting up. We like, man, skip all that. Mm-hmm. So we get the report cards. I hide the report. I'm, I told my sister, I said, hey, yeah, let me get your report card too. So I hide the report card. Me, my sister, and my dad go to Old Country Buffet. It's a restaurant. So we go there for breakfast. I got perfect you know attendance. Old Country Buffet over there in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, I get perfect attendance or something like that. I get a little, you know, a little reward. We get free breakfast or whatever. So we go there. Why? They having the teachers conference at the old country buffet that day. Uh-huh. And for some reason, my mom knew a teacher every grade I was in. So the one lady I hated, one of the teachers I hated the most, Miss Williams, she come on there. Hey, y'all, did you show them your report card? What the f- what the fuck are you? What a report card? What are you talking about? I'm like, uh, so my dad like, they ain't get no report card. Yes, they did. And my sister like, he made me hide it. Uh so I know. So we go home, get the report cards, and take it to my mom's job. <sighs> yeah. And she didn't even whoop me. She punished me for the whole summer. The entire, the whole summer. The I believe it. Like, I, you know something. <laughs> Though, you know, I honestly, and I need to do the research on this. I'm going to go and look at crime stats from 1980 to 1995 and then I'm going to look at them from 1995 to like 2010. I want to see what the crime stats look like because when we were getting our asses whooped, we weren't doing all this crazy stuff. Do you remember? Just think about it. How many classmates can you really remember losing when you were in middle school? remember losing any like I remember one little boy had leukemia but you lost people to illnesses not to violence 
Mm, yeah, uh, I would say like throughout school, like I, we had students, but like for me, I lost one. Like he was real close. He um he died in a car accident. Now I know people that's like been in my grade that have shot people that's in jail for murdering mm. people. So I definitely know people that have shot people. Like it was like I like you said, it's not as bad, but I still remember going to middle school parties and it was shootings going on. Like it was funny because I have a a sixteen, well she's about to be seventeen, and she was thirteen. She went to her first little skating party, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, you know, I drop her off. She called me like an hour later. Come get me. They shooting. And it was it mm-hmm. like it wasn't funny. You know, I was on my way, but I was like, man, I remember them days. And she was like, they was tasing and she was all scared. And I'm like, oh, it's totally different for a girl. Like I wasn't excited about it as a kid, but I just remember like I remember going to them house parties and boys would be dumb and shooting it up. But yeah, it wasn't as much violence. Like we was riding bikes, we was doing a lot of fun stuff but i think it's different because there's a lot of predators it's a lot of people that's weirdos that do like crazy stuff to kids like here in indianapolis it's violent like last year it was 271 murders like is is very like you got people uh snatching girls it's all kinds of stuff and it's like i don't remember that back in the 90s. I don't remember that growing up. Even in college, I kind of don't remember hearing about that kind of stuff. So it's like times is different. And I think a lot of children, youth, they don't realize the resources that they have. They have a phone and they don't use it for nothing smart. They use it for dumb stuff. To scroll, to, you know, sell drugs, whatever, you know, make hit these licks or whatever. They're using a phone. They just don't realize like, you can be a millionaire, a billionaire with your phone. You could be that at a teenager. So it's like now. So when did so when did it click to you? Because it took me. Because men and women are different. When did it like? It took me to when I was thirty to really like my mind shifted to like from um, poverty. Not I didn't live in poverty, but that poverty mindset to wealth mindset. When did you like? What age? I was thirty. So what age were you at? You know what? I didn't have a choice. Like, I've always understood how to do things. Because just think about it. it. It really, I'm telling you, there is something to be said about this. Another thing that people need to do more research on. Children that are born to older parents versus children that are born to younger parents. Like, mm. I always knew that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of, you know, God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And so the reason I say that is because that is a scripture that was drilled in our home over and over and over. So I say that to say what I knew was that if I get out here and act a fool, I'm going to die. Now, as an adult, I understand that my dad and and the scripture was referencing a spiritual death. But as a kid, think about it. You hear this, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to die, dad, dad. I'm going to do what's right. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, but or you could look at it as an adult. Or, yeah, as an adult, I would say, because as a kid, you think it probably died. But even as a mature kid, you look at it as if you out here acting up, your dreams is going to die. 
your goals is gonna die. If you're true, true, indeed. Like, yeah. So it's like when you're a celebrity, right? And you do something dumb. You doing something dumb, now your career over with all your uh <laughs> all your uh, endorsements, all that you lose because you was out here being dumb. And that's because and I and I love what you said, like older parents and younger parents, and I get it because your parents were established. They were in their forties. They they were where they you know, they was living life. And it's like me, they I had my, to get their life why they need to be raising their damn teenagers. Yeah, so for me as a parent, so my daughter is through marriage, but I've been in her life since she was six. So okay. when I had my son, that's like even having her is like I don't know. Me and your mom just dating, we're we're together, but you know it could maybe end or whatever. So, but I always, you know, we always still rock together. But when I had my son, I was twenty seven. So I remember my mom always telling me since I got older, have a job and have insurance when you have a kid, and so happened. Like one of the first times I had a good job and I had benefits, I had my son. So it's like I wasn't like hurting for nothing. It was like we were able, you know, my son doesn't really know what struggle is. He know because he, he was too little when, you know, st certain stuff happened. But it's like you said, like we were little, we were closer to our 30s. So we understood a little bit more than when we, when she was younger, when she had her daughter, or when my ex had her daughter. And it's like, now that you're older, you understand, like, you don't always, you don't have to, um, just cause you have kids, you don't got to put your dreams away. You got to sacrifice, you got to, but you got to make sure those sacrifices are worth it. And you got to make sure that you're taking care of home. Like it's, it's a lot different. Like I could see your dad, he's a man, he was a man. He wasn't like, like, I'm saying, like, as a as a forty year old, fifty year old, he was a man's man. Like, when you get to that age, and if you live in life right and you doing what's right, you're gonna be a you're gonna be a man at fifty. Like, you gonna your grandkids could come up to you or your kids, and they gonna get some knowledge. And so I can see where that helps you at. So and now it's triggering. I gotta get my head together because you you don't have the typical uh the the typical kind of story even even having two parents you have older parents so it's like it's a lot it's a lot different have, you can have two parents and both parents be absent Ooh, wait hold on say that please say that again you can have two parents and both of your damn parents are absent and, and this is the thing let me let me say this about absent parents your your parent can be absent due to illness you know military other jobs because they just mentally not there because and I say that because my daddy went into Alzheimer's when I was about 13 14 years old so the man that I knew from birth to the age of 14 was not the man that I knew from 14 to 18 and a half because for almost five years of my life you know my dad had you know Alzheimer's and that changed my life you know I wanted to die I was suicidal at the age of 14 because this man who I worshipped with every essence of my being because he was my daddy. He was everybody's daddy. Everybody in the neighborhood. He was either Mr. Bo Jones, Uncle Bo, Uncle Bobo or something. But he was my daddy. You feel what I'm saying? And, and, you know, he taught me 
how to ride my four-wheeler before I could even walk good. Like, let me tell you something. This how this is why I tell people I did not grow up like the average kid. We had a boat. How many little black kids, you know, had a boat? And guess what? Who he named the boat after? My mama. And my mama never got in that damn boat. <laughs> now you know black men didn't do stuff like that. Uh -uh. But you know what I told my brother the other day? And I don't mean no harm and no foul. But what I realized, the way our parents raised us is the way our counterparts raised their kids. Because my parents did not buy us name brand shit. I never owned a pair of Jordans until I got in college and got my boyfriend nope i take that back my grandmother bought me my first pair of air force ones my first boyfriend in college bought me my first pair of jordans and i didn't even really wear them then but but you know what i do remember i remember my mother and father even though my father was going into alzheimer's i remember my mother and father coming to pick me up from school on my 15th birthday and we went straight to the dmv so i could take my test and then i remember september 11th 2001 when the towers went down my brother was getting his 01 jack roush mustang and two weeks later on september 22nd i remember my parents coming to that school with my brand new car and you know what my mama looked at me and said she said now ain't you glad i ain't buy you all them high dollar shoes that your friends walking in and riding the yellow school bus <laughs> so when i tell you eric there is a reason why Lily Mae is the way she is. And, and all that all that celebrity shit, all that name brand shit, that shit don't mean nothing to me. Because when a lot of those, the majority of those people lay down at night, they not happy. They happy on social media because they have to be happy because the world needs to believe that these things are making them happy. But let me tell you something. Every time I wake up in the morning and my feet touch the ground on this side of the dirt, I am happy because I know that I am wealthy. And I'm not talking about financially. You better talk that talk. Hey. <laughs> so, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I was about to let you preach. I was about to ask for uh, for a tithes and, and offering because when you said uh, when, when you took me to church, when you said when I put my feet on this other side of the dirt, I said, oh, oh, wait a minute, what, do I need to get my Bible? She was about to go. I, I felt it. So, <laughs> I'm I'm the that's the so funny. I'm like kind of the same way. I didn't have Jordan. They went, well, Jordan, what what in the world? My mom took us to JC Penney's and we got the two for uh buy one, get one half off. Yes, we to, listen, listen, listen. I have got school shoes from Myers. From Myers, not the grocery store. Like they've had some like name like Nikes or Reeboks or something. I remember, no, I got some Reeboks, right? I was in sixth or seventh grade, I can't remember. And they had maroon in it. What dude you know wearing maroon, right? My mom got me quarter, got me some maroon corduroys and like this long sleeve, like maroon kind of sweater shirt. 
when I look at it, I was fresh as all get out. But back then, niggas like, bro, what you got on? You got on the corduroys? You got on, like, I was getting, like, I wasn't getting roasted. I was roasted back, but I remember boys having jokes. But now that I look at it in fashion, I was fresh as could be. But I, I didn't grow up that way. And, like, even Jordans, right? So I never, I bought some fake Jordans when I worked at C- uh, Cedar Point. I knew they was fake, but I'm like, I wanted to, I ain't never been able to wear Jordan. So nobody knew uh, outside of the people at Cedar Point. <laughs> um, but so I never had real Jordan. I've never bought a pair of real Jordans for myself. The first pair of Jordans somebody ever, the real pair of Jordans was my ex, um, my ex-wife. She bought them for Valentine's Day. Um, and then I got a pair. I worked at a shoe store and they was like, oh, we all got to wear Jordan ones. Listen here. Y'all in high school and y'all young and y'all ain't got bills. I'm not buying no pair of Jordans to wear them on one day. Y'all done lost y'all mind. So they got they got all their money together and they bought me a pair. So I've never bought or had a real pair of Jordans bought from, from myself. So I totally understand where you're coming from. And like you said, like I ain't got Louis and Gucci and all. I don't, I'm, everything that I wear is either mine that I have my clothing line or somebody else that I know's clothing line. Like, I'm not, like, like, yeah, like. And I'm okay with that. You know, but you know something, you don't miss what you never had. But the other thing, when you are comfortable with yourself, see, this is what, this is what I laugh at. I laugh at these people that say, oh, I'm real. Oh, I'm this and I'm that. You so real that you only go out the house when you got on an $800 jacket. You're fake as hell. Mm. Because you got this $1,000 pocketbook, but you ain't got 20 cents in it. Oh, wait. She didn't hit somebody in the mouth. Like, my whole thing is, I like my little bags that I be getting from the house store. <laughs> I sure do. I, I You know, I, I listen, listen. Somebody said the other day, oh, yeah, girl, you know, because I don't ride number foreign cars and you a foreign damn fool. Because one thing about it, if your car note costs more than where you live, it's a problem. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But so, okay, I'm not in like the, the most, fun, you know, best financial situation. Not because not of anything, you know, you got to start somewhere. I have a mindset. I have a budget, all that. So I live in a, in a house. I have roommates. So, but my, um, I go to pick up my son, I go over there and, um, it's me and my daughter. I'm going in the house with her mm-hmm. and I'm like, somebody live over here in the rain and they got a range over in the apartment. That seemed weird. <laughs> like what? That don't even make, you know, that, you can do that. I'm like, huh? Like, why wouldn't you like, cause people don't really understand our culture. Don't understand. Go get you a house. Even if you rent a house, it's better than renting an apartment. Like you, like you got, you can make it to where it becomes your own one day if you wanted to, or you know how to live in a house. That I was, I think I was talking to my Uber driver. Yeah, it was an Uber driver. I was on my way home, um, and we was talking about growing up. He was like older than me, but I was like, I don't really re- like now that I live in Indianapolis, bigger city, I've lived in apartments with my kids. But when I was married, we lived in a house. That's what I knew. Like, I didn't know what, a. I mean, I remember five and under, we lived in the projects, but 
five and up, I always lived in the house. So I, it's like different. Like you got your neighbors, you, you got kids you grow up with. When you're in apartments, you might have a homie you've been cool with two, three years, but then they move and you move. And it's like, dang, I don't even remember, bro. And it's like, it's a, I think it's different when that happens. And I think sometimes when people live in apartments and they have that mindset, they, they their kids have that mindset. It's like, all I know is an apartment, so that's what I'm just going to keep doing. All I know is a house. So, you know, I'm, that's what I, all I know, and that's all I, all that I know for my kids. And yeah. that's where I have to get, get to. When I got married, I got a crib because I grew up in my crib. It was a starter crib, but it was bigger than the house I grew up. You, you listen, I, I think I cried when, I, when, when we got the house because it was like, man, I, I'm already – further than where my parents was when I was a kid and my son, I think he was like five. So it's like when your parents put seeds in you, it's seeds you don't even understand. But then when you get an adult and it clicks, oh, that's why I do this. And that's why you are the way you are because you had your like when you know you know black parents when they get to a certain age when they got they got enough seasoning where they can talk they shit they gonna talk it and uh-huh. that's that's why you talk your shit and I think I know what I'm gonna call this it's a Jones thing because you you mean you I think we cousins I we might have to look up the little ancestry tree but I, I feel the I feel the <laughs> Because you be talking and I'm like, yeah, she might be my cousin because I, I feel it. And you and you being yourself. And it's like you're not talking like some people be like, oh, they talking about. No, I'm not talking about nobody. I'm just saying, does that make sense to you? Think about a different. I think sometimes people miss the point of the perspective rather than the actual point or, oh, I'm going to point out the negative. Listen to what I'm saying and take from the perspective. Oh my gosh, you understand to a T. You understand to a T, honey. Yep. That's it. I don't don't understand. Like, it just, it mind boggles me when people, because like me, so I'm different than you. I didn't grow up in the hood because I lived in a house, but I'm from that area. I know all that. And as a college kid, that's all I knew. Like I was, I used to sell weed, I used to hit licks, all that. And so I know like the street form of it. And it's like, man, that's the stupidest way to think. I'm like, people really still out here gangbanging? You rep a gang? Like what? <laughs> like that's stupid. You got kids, right? Oh, okay. You must don't care about your kids. Like people don't understand like some of the stuff that you did, like you have to stop doing it. And it's not going to get you nowhere quicker. You've been selling dope for 20 years. You ain't got nowhere. Um, Obviously, you need a new occupation. Like, come on. Like, it's not one plus one equals two. Like, and it's, like I said, for not just for the kids, for us adults. How, how, what have you made, what device have you made the most money off of that you have? Mm. Dang. My laptop. And mm-hmm. I, most, most people have a laptop or have access to a laptop, especially the kids, right? So mm-hmm. you made the most money off the laptop. What's the second thing you made the most money off of? The piano. Okay. Not electric, like not, not that kind of like, okay, that, that gets mm-hmm. that count. So that's an instrument. So, so that's an instrument. So that's something that um, you're good at. So obviously we're all good at something. God gave us a, a gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the next thing that the, the device that you made the most money off of? Mm. 
My phone, because you know, when I'm not at my laptop, when I have my phone, I do things I can do just about, mm, just about as much as I can with my laptop. But you know, the laptop is just, you know, more efficient. Yes, that's why, that's why I've only been able to do audio. It, I, it hurt me, my laptop down. I'm like, man, I want it to be video because I wanted to build up my YouTube. You told me that, yeah. So, and I tried with the tablet. The tablet was not letting me be great. But I'm like, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm still going to do the audio. You doing what you doing? And so you said the laptop. I would mm-hmm. say at least almost every household probably has a lot laptop. You, uh, you teach school, you would be surprised. You would be surprised. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I've t- I'm, I'm in education. So, yeah, you're right. But, okay, so, okay, we're going to scratch that. We're going to scratch that. We're going to scratch the laptop because a lot of people <laughs> might not have their laptop. But you said the laptop and the phone are similar. So, that means whatever you can, almost, I would say about 80%, some stuff you can't do. Uh, you just need the laptop for or software, whatever the case may be. But you have your phone, and we all have our phones in our hand. Like, there should be some type of way we're being wealthy. And like you said, it's not financially. It's, mm-hmm. excuse me, personal development. It's um, researching. Because I'm sure you, you went to college, right? You didn't just wake up every day, go to class, and be able to just pass tests, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You had to study. You had to study. You had to study, right? Look, when I got to college, I did college and high school was totally different, Lord. Because in college, you were learning to what you're doing now, right? For the most part, uh uh-huh. And you said, how many years from when, I think you said 10. So, let's let's paint a picture. Mm -hmm. So, you have to study and research. And it, it didn't take, it didn't happen in a year. It didn't, it wasn't, you didn't put it in the microwave, did you? You put it in that slow cooker, right? I showed, baby, I slow walked it. You slow walked it. So I you put it, up, you put it on simmer. Like you put it on right above on and baby. just let it. Okay. All of that. Okay. Um, you had a little, you had all kinds of different seasoning in there, right? You doggone right. Because you had to, you know, when you was 20, it was a little different when you was 30. And. So you had to add a little mm, maturity. Uh, you know, what's some of the other? Child, I spoke as a child, but when I got grown, I put away the bullshit and made it happen. Mm. And stop. Okay. See, you know, we got this thing where we want to blame everybody else for mm. the shit that go wrong. When the reality is, if you really think about this, is my thing. If everybody is running away from you, at what mm. point do you realize that you the problem? Oh. Oh, hey, 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 I don't know because um, I feel like everybody gone from me. Was I the problem? I, but see, I, I, my prayer was, God, if they not for my future, don't, you know, remove them. Yeah, yeah, so that's true. That's true. But they could have been praying the same prayer. Mm. And mm. see, let me tell you something. Let me just tell you this. Ooh, it took me a it. long time to get to this point. I understand. We all want to be right. But you know some when I start looking at myself in the mirror and say, honey, you have been a bitch in your lifetime. So anything that come back, you deserve it. And when I accepted that and started to move differently, everything started to change. 
and the people that I was aligned with because we were all broken together, they started falling off because I started to become whole. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, you know, I'm I'm tired of you punching me in the face. I know we family and all, but oh, I'm, yeah. I don't want to punch you. <laughs> punching me in the face now, but yeah, like I I think I had to understand I was an asshole and like throughout life before I got mature. And so, like you said, it's like you have to accept. Like it's some stuff that I probably did maybe in my twenties that's just not just just hit me. It's some it's it like karma hit me in a like karma hit me after my divorce or in the process of separation and divorce hit me so hard, like and I had to swallow as a man. Like it ain't a lot of men that would have swallowed or been in the situation that I was in, and I was like. It's my fault. And my sister told me because I was in the environment. I was still around my ex, even though we were separated. Uh, and she was like, you wouldn't have to know anything if you wasn't there. And I said, You're right. Let me get the hell up out of here. Like I was getting comfortable. I was like, OK, you know, when you're kind of struggling and you're somewhere comfortable, it's some food, it's a bed. Like I'm around my son. I'm around my daughter. Like it's cool, but it's not even the environment for me. It's like. I had to man up and say, get the hell up out of here, bro. Like, you, mm -hmm. she winning. Like, you not winning right now. Like, you not winning at all. And then sometimes we have to accept that. We have to accept that loss. But it's not a loss, it's a lesson. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. you should never be in this situation ever again. You should always have your own. Like, don't ever not have your own because when you don't, people can take advantage of you and they'll make you feel like you're lesser than a woman or a man. So I had to learn that. And I'm like, all right, let me get off my ass. And I'm working. I'm, you know, I'm building, building uh, my podcast. I'm doing all this stuff. But it's like life is like really kicking my ass. But I understood this is this ain't from this ain't from right now. This happened. This is from something I did years ago. This is from something I, you know, and I had to accept that. And uh, and I just interviewed somebody, and one of the tips he said, you got to look, look in the mirror. Like, go look in the mirror and just look at yourself. And you'll, you'll talk back. Baby, that's, let me tell you something. And, and my mother, my mother told me that. That's one thing. You know how parents always tell their kids, oh, baby, you this and you that. Do you know that my mother never ever really boasted about anything me and my brother accomplished mm. you know that our daddy did but my mom didn't and I tell people all the time that balance is something I appreciate mm. because that's what taught me to do shit for purpose cause she used to be she, mommy used to say stuff like Okay, you got straight A's. So what does that mean? Are you helping your classmates bring their grades up? My mother used to say stuff like that. She never wanted her children to be those damn kids that their shit didn't stink. So she knew everybody else was praising us. So she didn't want, you get what I'm saying? She had yeah. to be that counterbalance. She had to be. And I thank God for it. Mm. 
Yeah, I'm that way. Like, my, like my daughter probably won't realize that. Hopefully, I'm gonna send this this one to her. But I was that way. Like, she'll come home with good grades. That's what you're supposed to do when you go to school. But her mom, oh, you know, that's how how, how their mom is. And I'm more I'm more about like the purpose. But I realize my like even though I had to I had to do it just for me anyways because mm-hmm. my parents didn't my I don't know if my parents ever know like really seen me play basketball oh, like wow. to really know that they son that was born with a disability really gets down with the get down on the basketball court mm-hmm. like I never okay. I, I like my mom came to some games but my dad never did. Like we played on the, me and him play every now and then, but they ain't never just come, you know, watch me hoop at the at the courts or nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's like I I wasn't doing it for them. I was doing it for me, in which it was helping other people. So now, like you just really gave me that that it wasn't whatever their reasoning was, but it, it taught me not to do something because it pleased somebody. Do it because I wanted to do it because that's who I was. Like my, I I promise they ain't never take me to the basketball court to say let's go shoot hoops. I'm gonna say hey I'm going to the bat I'm going to the court or I'm going to whatever park. And that that's crazy now that I really think of that. I'm glad that you I, I I'm I'm glad you said that because that really that really helps me now. It's like I'm not doing it for nobody else. I'm doing it because Eric Jones Jr. wants to do it, and that's okay. that's the only reason behind it. And sometimes we as people don't do it because mom or dad didn't applaud us or mom or dad said we had to do this. Mm-mm. And you know something, that's something else. My mother t- never told us what we had to do or what we didn't have to do. She let us find our own way. So it won't like, you gotta go to college, you gotta do that. But what she did say when I got older and she was like, people would be like, well, what is your daughter doing now? Because she always doing something. And my mama said, I don't really know what she's doing, but I know whatever she do, she's going to be good at it. And whatever she's going to do is going to be great. And lo and behold. Okay, I like my dudes. I like I like. Oh, her. yeah. My mother, she, you know, and, and I will say, you know, she's going into, um, she's in the early stages of dementia now. She's 83. Um, you know, but I'm so thankful that I can call her every morning between 8.30 and 9.30 and get a laugh, you know, and just, you know, I, every year that my mother lives past the age that my dad passed, because my dad passed at 75. So every year that my mother lives past 75, I'm just utterly grateful. So you can never prepare, right? But what I do know is that I have had the best years with my mama. Mm. And so knowing my mother and knowing the things that she loves, you know, I don't want to watch my mother go through Alzheimer's as deep as my father did. Yeah. It would be my prayer that God wouldn't would spare her that because I know that my mother is very in control of things. And so that would kill me to watch my another parent go through that. Yeah. Yep. I definitely I definitely understand that because um that that's how my grandma 
she went through that and it was hard seeing her like uh she still kind of like she knew who we were like I think she just felt that she knew who we were but it was times like that but what you said about your mom living longer than your dad for me my dad died when I was well when he was uh I think 27 or 28 so he died of cancer so for for the longest of time I was scared to grow up because I thought like okay, my dad died of cancer at this age. I'm probably going to die young. And when my dad passed away, the age that I was, I had my son. And I was like, wow. And, I, you know, every year is like, because my grandfather died of cancer, my dad died of cancer, my biological dad. So I'm like, who, you know, I I hope I would never, uh, I would never get that. And it's like the same thinking as you, like I wouldn't want to uh, me to get that and then, end up passing away at an early age where my son wouldn't be able to have his dad there. And because I know what that feeling's like. So it's crazy when you have health issues and certain stuff goes on in life and you really, it makes you think about certain stuff different ways. So I definitely understand, you know, where you're coming from. Cause as a shorty, I'm like, man, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get old. I'm trying to stay young. Like I'm scared to get old. And I didn't even tell people that until I got like, older and past that age and was able to be transparent this, absolutely absolutely yeah this i i don't i mean usually we, like we talk about like exactly what people do and stuff like like we just had a i think we just had a good conversation like we was on the porch um and the kind of day i had my my drink of choice would be a little bit of hennessy i don't know if what your choice would be if it would be tea water it, whatever it would be for you, but for me, after the day, know, I, how you know I don't drink? <laughs> I, I, I didn't want. To, I was about I to say my drink. choice would be pineapple juice and ginger ale or lemonade because <laughs> I don't uh, drink no more. No, I. That's the thing. I don't drink, but after the day and the week I've had, I definitely would want to drink. But I'm not. After this is 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 nine thirty. I'm I'm going to sleep. I'm about to turn oh, on some man. music sleep i had my tacos before we did this so i was prepared so i wasn't hungry and yeah i'm about to you know go to sleep soon so but what are three tips you could give somebody to help change their mindset from average to great In order to change your mindset from average to great, the first thing you have to do is reevaluate where you place your value. And if it isn't something that's going to go down in the dirt with you, reassess how much time you put into it. Because when you leave this world, all you have is your name and the things that you've done to impact the people that you leave on earth. The second thing I would say is become self-aware. Understand your weaknesses, but don't dwell on them. Understand your weaknesses, but capitalize on your strengths. And finally, keep your feet on the ground. Keep your feet on the ground. Don't fall. Don't kneel unless you're praying. 
keep your feet on the ground because as long as your feet are on the ground, you can move. <laughs> hey, that's it's it's got to be a southern thing about putting your uh your feet on uh because I don't know if you listen to Inky Johnson and his podcast. Um, I ain't even gonna jack up. I can't think of how to say the name, but it's him and uh his mentor Oak, and he he's they you know they're from Georgia, and they always say uh play, uh be where your feet are at. Oh wow. And, yeah, be where your feet are at. Like you got to be grateful for where your feet are at, and understand, you know, you have to, you, you know, be grateful for where you're at, and then that's how you can move forward. Because if you're not grateful for where you're at, what? How you gonna be grateful if you get more? You know, and that's kind of in the Bible. You know, you gotta have, you gotta be able to handle a little before you can get big. But how big? There you go. You can't get busy with more if you. Huh. Hello, somebody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to. I might think of a different name because you, you brought a little, you brought a little. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, West Side. Um, no, comp. I can't say Compton. I'm gonna say whatever the West Side or wherever somebody is. Um, um, Hello Baptist Church. Um, sermon like you gave like a little bit of God. You gave a little bit of little little, little ratchet and not ratchet, but look little ghetto. My personality, absolutely. Yeah, All yeah, and I, and, and see that's me. And you loud, and I'm loud. Like it's I, I'm telling you, people be like you talking loud. No, I that's me. I just talk loud. I don't know how to turn it down. And my son is a little me. His mama was just telling me earlier, she's like, oh, I can't wait for him to go with you, because this boy will not stop talking. <laughs> and I will, and I, and, I, and I do the same thing. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, I need an underdog quote. Something for underdog that you can think of, I need a quote, because I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm starting to do that with everybody, an underdog quote for different different uh topics so i'm gonna I'm a come up with something and put the underdog quote in some some form at some point mean what you say and say what you mean mm. that's straight mm. from betty lou my mama mm. og triple og triple og talk and she is one she is that because honey betty lou been gangster honey <laughs> all right hey i ain't gonna hold you she sound like my granny like my granny was not no play thing and and her and my granddad like they used to say stuff and it didn't make sense but it made sense and it was like okay i get it and it, you under like when you're around the older community you under nine nope you ain't gonna cut me nope not the older the seasoned community they'll say <laughs> some stuff don't make sense but it makes sense so you gotta you gotta watch it so let the people know how they uh, can reach you, find out more about you, maybe work with you. Because, like I said, she do everything. Like, I, I don't know how she do it. And she says she work. I, I don't know. I'm. We're going to have to talk off here. I need some help because I work and do stuff. And I, I was a tired. I, I don't know. My brain is like, hey, brother, I, ain't tired. Now, I didn't say I ain't tired. I just said we make it work. I did not say I ain't tired. Well, I need <laughs> to figure out a way to make it work because I'm I'm tied in it ain't working all the way <laughs> but yeah let people know how you they can reach you oh man 
Well, I am Lily Made the Collective on everything. Um, if you want to go to my website, it's lilymaycollective.com. That's www.lilliemaecollective.com. Mm. Well, you know how to reach Miss Lily May. Um, no, I, I'm sorry. We cousins. She not older, y'all. It's just the name. I'm sorry. It just I uh the, when I seen I I understood. You know how some people had a name, and you know it's I I could tell that you, you had older older parents by your name, and no, no, nothing against you or anything. But oh, I just listen. Let me tell you something. One thing about you, you never got to apologize to me because baby, no. <laughs> taken lily may is all about perseverance tenacity and determination so mm. I'm hey listen listen i was joking you don't gotta punch me in the face now no, like I come on. like i got you baby no but i bet you have to apologize to people a lot because everybody's so d-a-m-n sensitive yeah yeah it's it's oh yeah because I, like i said i had a hoodie on earlier and i just it's a collective i got it's lovable asshole like i I, like you gonna you gonna be like I love being around Eric, but he gonna say some stuff off the wall, like or he gonna say he gonna give it to you how you need to be heard it, cause I would want the same thing. Like I I don't want you to sugarcoat, and I'm not gonna sugarcoat. I love when my friends or people be like, hey, I, I need your opinion because I know you you gonna you gonna give it to me funky, and I, I love it because they know I'm not gonna hold back. So sometimes I don't I'm unapologetic, but I didn't know how you was gonna take it, but. Now I know I ain't gonna joke with you because you, you ain't gonna keep you. No, you. you I'm telling you, I probably got a black eye and a bloody nose after this. You didn't slap me a few times. You just punched me. I like. I don't know. I don't know. How, like, I, I understand. I said we was cousins, but I ain't know you was gonna beat me up, big cousin. Like, I mean, I you're a year older, but you ain't gotta. You ain't had to do me like that. I'm sure some people listening, you did that to them too, and it's not in a bad way. That you that you slap somebody, it's it's a wake up call. It's like, hey, ooh, she said something that can help me. Let me change what I've been doing. It's all about perspective, and it's all about purpose over popularity. Because definitely, that is that's one of the most important things. Your purpose over popularity. Because everybody ain't gonna like you. Everybody ain't like Jesus. Um, so they ain't gonna like you. But you, we all have a purpose to live out while we're here on Earth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um any closing words? Um let me know if you going which way you gonna swing left, right, or through the middle so I can kind of bob and weave because I, I feel like you about to hit me again. But any closing words, ma'am. You know what? Honestly, no. I just I'm very appreciative that you allowed me to come on to the underdogs podcast i love the name i'm all about the underdogs because they always sleep on us but we always rise because what was once last will soon be first and on that note oh all right uh reach me on underdog podcast at gmail underdog podcast on uh, underdog pack uh, i didn't mess up underdog podcast talk at Gmail, underdog, pod, underdog Talk Podcast on any social media, Facebook and Instagram and on YouTube. And on that note, from what she said, peace, one love.